Voyage. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hey guys, what's going on? Jack Austin here with Seven Land Productions, and we're back with another new standalone episode of Fever Dreams. This one gets a little spicy. We're in full-on Brian De Palma erotic thriller territory as a down-on-his-luck photographer meets a beautiful lifeguard, only to discover that she's already involved with someone very close to him. Definitely don't listen to this one with your kids in the car. It's a film noir drowned in Florida sunshine. Enjoy The Lifeguard. I've always liked taking pictures of people. There are probably a thousand people on this beach, and none of them notice me. It's like I'm not here. A carefree smile of an old woman, two kids splashing each other, a lifeguard staring out into the water. You ever see someone and they are so strikingly beautiful it's hard to look directly at them? I took her photo and she looked my way as if she could somehow sense me from 50 yards away. She zeroed in on me from behind the polarized lenses of her sunglasses, lips tense to say something, but before she could, the lifeguard leaps out of her stand and races towards the riptide waves. I, I track her with my camera, seeing the sand splashing about her heels as she runs, and then shift ahead to what she's racing to. She's trying to alert a couple who've drifted too deep into the water that a shark is circling them. I see its fin, maybe six yards away from them. The female lifeguard and a male lifeguard, coming in for support, steer two jet skis over. The female lifeguard takes the woman of the couple and books it. But the other one gets tossed by a wave and bitten by the shark. The, the man of the stranded couple tries to flip the jet ski over, but can't. And two more shark fins appear behind him. Desperate, he tries to outswim them to shore. The surf turns red with the blood of two men. I lift up my camera. Don't do that. I look over at her, the female lifeguard standing next to me, looking at me like shit on her shoe. I'm, I'm sorry, it's my job. It's wrong. Being a photographer isn't just taking pictures. You have to be an expert salesperson, too. And even if you are, most of the time, the money sucks. These pictures will mean the difference between me eating and starving. It's wrong. They won't print anything too graphic. Furious, she attends to the woman of the couple, who is bawling a few yards away. Take a photo of that, too. Oye, primo, 
They're on the seventh floor now. What? Everything is running ahead of schedule. I don't know. I don't have... Parker, I don't have anywhere else to go. Well, you better find somewhere. I don't know how long until they get started on the 8th. I don't know. But if they find you there... They won't. If they do, I don't know. You know? I review the photos once I get home. They are a nightmare in sequence. I could make real money selling them to any Florida newspaper. Maybe even to one of those big national papers. But I keep looking at the photo I took of the lifeguard. Knowing I'm being an idiot, instead of pitching the photos to every newspaper I can, I call a buddy who works as a lifeguard at Daytona Beach. I describe the lifeguard. I text him her photo. Turns out her name is Carmela. Also turns out, the Lifeguard Association has a contact directory, which is how I end up doing this. Hello? Yes, hi, is this Carmela? Who is calling? Uh, my name's Frankie. I, I took the photos today. What? How did you get my number? You were right. I'll get rid of them. You will? Yeah. Good. You call just to say that? All I ask is that you go to dinner with me. <laughs> You're blackmailing me into dinner? No, no, blackmail would be if I had pictures of you doing something wrong. Look, I'll get rid of the photos either way. I'm just asking you to dinner. I'll apologize in advance. It won't be anything too fancy because you're costing me some serious cash by not selling these. What could you sell them for? This will be the national news, and I was the only professional there. 5K on the low end, maybe 15 on the high end. And you're really not going to do that? I'm hoping our dinner will ease the pain. Seriously, how did you get my number? I've spent enough time with journalists. Where do you want to go? We made it to the crab shack at the pier before they closed. I tried to pay, but the owner wouldn't take my money. He just said... Anything for Carmela. And gave us the food. This isn't my first time. Clearly. Can I see some of your non-awful pictures? Sure. I kept some portfolio stuff on my phone. I let her flip through it. These are great. They've got a real Phil Penman quality to them. I'm sorry, I don't know who this is. I never went to school for this thing. What about Robert Frank? I'm nowhere near his weight class, but thank you. Oh. I realized with dread that I'd saved a photo of her to send to my lifeguard buddy. She was looking at it. I see. Oh, when there's something that I have a reaction to, I, I take a picture of it. Without permission? I wasn't going to have it published. Just for your own personal collection. She got a little grin when she said that. She was fucking with me. It made me all the more hopelessly enamored by her. If she'd have asked me to throw my camera in the Atlantic... I'd have done it. What about you? What about me? What's your thing? What are you passionate about? I know you're just trying to change the subject. Maybe, but I also want to know. I don't have to work. So I guess you could say being a lifeguard is something I'm passionate about. Being in nature, keeping people safe, 
Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. Why don't you have to work? You ever hear of the Carvilles? What, the people who own Savemar? Among other things, yes. So what, you're a, like a billionaire? <laughs> Me? <laughs> no. But I have enough to live. It's all I need. It's my family. It's not me. I hear you. Crab Shack guy? Yeah, he's your competition. She looked at me dead in the eyes when she said that. Seriously, who is that? My fiance. Really? Really. Oh. I'm calling it off. Just haven't had a chance to tell him yet. Or I guess avoiding it would be a more accurate way to say that. Okay. It's over. All right, I'm sorry to hear that. Sure you are. As we walked away from dinner, she drifted close enough to brush against me. I would have invited you to my place for a drink, but I'm not sure it's up to the uh, Carville family standards. <laughs> I prefer things not up to the Carville family standard. It's under construction. The, uh, the, the main entrance is not accessible, so we'll need to go through the service area. Be honest. Are we breaking in? Yep. Cool with you? Not my first time with that either. That playful look on her face again. We both weren't sure if the other person was for real. I snuck her in the same way I would go into the Trident lobby and gave Parker a head nod. This is... nice. Surprise. Noted. So... what do you want to do? It hung in the air. A pregnant pause. I knew if I offered a drink and a chat on the balcony, I would have missed my moment. I kissed her. She kissed me back. We removed each other's clothes. My shirt got stuck on my head. Shit. <laughs> I gently steered her with a hand on her hip towards the bathroom. This hotel, if it was actually open, would go for $600 a night. The shower was enormous. We fully disrobed and got in. When we got out, her phone was buzzing again. <sighs> I've got to go. You sure? Yeah. Can I see you again? Next time, I'll let you take my picture. Deal. I lay in my bed and couldn't sleep. Still high from our encounter. Grinning like a love-drunk high school kid. The morning sun made me think of reality. I would literally be homeless soon. But I didn't care. Brandon? You said you could use some work, right? Definitely. Come to the boat. We're going to test the buoys. You can take pictures for us to send to the press. I'll pay you whatever you think is fair. You can meet my girl, too. She's coming. You sure? Yeah, bro. We're family. Enough's enough. No later than eight. Okay? Okay. Uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank me by being on time. Brandon was my brother. But we hadn't spoken in months. I texted him out of desperation a few weeks ago. Brandon was a tech entrepreneur. 
The kind of guy you see on TV, in the news, always buying some company or saying some kind of wild new agey shit about technology or the future. As I headed for the dock where he kept his boat, a thousand images of our lives together flitted through my brain, opening presents together. Our birthdays were just a couple days apart, so we got stuck with one party our whole lives as kids. Going to prom in the same shitty limo, getting our black belts in taekwondo on the same day, him graduating from college, me not. Him learning oceanography, me trying to find myself in Thailand. At a certain point, the images diverge and we just went on different paths. Once he became big, he rarely called. I got drunk at a family dinner and basically used every bad word in my vocabulary at him. Brandon thought he was better than me. The part I didn't want to admit was... Maybe he was. Brandon's newest venture was a way to deter sharks from public beaches. An electronic deterrence net made up of a series of boys. Basically like an electric fence you might have for your dog in the yard, except for sharks in the ocean. To hear him tell it, it was a billion-dollar idea. Brandon had gotten some Russian oligarch to invest millions into it. Brandon had named his yacht the Shark Bite. What a douchebag. Frankie! Get in here! I stepped out into the boat, and Brandon and I pretended we were close, embracing awkwardly. Let me introduce you to my fiance, Carmela, babe. This is my brother, Frankie. Christ. She was there. She'd been in my shower not six hours ago, and she'd stood on the deck of my brother's yacht. She smiled in a friendly, platonic way, like we were complete strangers. Nice to meet you. Let's hit it. Three large black spheres sat on the deck. Brandon was laser-focused on analytic readouts corresponding to each sphere on his laptop. Carmela stood on the bow, wind in her hair, sea spray misting her face. I tried not to be too obvious as I took pictures. Mostly just her. Eventually, we throttled down. Ready for the show? A crew member rolled one of the spheres off the deck. Let's go to a thousand yards to start. As we drifted along the ocean, the crew gradually dropped in the other two spheres. Once all three are in place, they all sink and form an electronic barrier. Now you just need sharks. There's a school of lemon sharks here. Brandon gestures to another display on his computer. A series of blobs moving on a screen. They're not too aggressive, right? Nope, but they're still sharks. We're just looking to test deterrence here for the species. Brandon's phone vibrated. Mr. Belavanov, please, I'll, I'll be able to pay. Brandon took the call and moved down the deck, speaking softly, trying to avoid being heard. The way he talked, it reminded me of when he'd get into trouble for coming home late. Our mom waiting up for him. Brandon thinking he could sneak in at 2 a.m. through the back sliding glass door without her noticing. Yeah, we already have municipalities between here and Virginia Beach ready to sign contracts. Yes. Hey, boss. We're picking up an SOS. I have to go. Thank you. Jesus. Where at? I watched as the radio operator handed Brandon a note with a set of coordinates. And Brandon, in turn, handed the note to his first mate. There are other boats that can help him, right? Excuse me? 
We're just getting started. We're lucky we have sharks to test on. It could be weeks before we get another chance like this. You're legally bound to help if you get that distress call. We could have not gotten it. Are you fucking kidding me? In that moment, Carmela became the captain. She marched past Brandon, started ordering around his crew, and they led her. We throttled up and went to the SOS coordinates. Brandon fumed and stayed focused on his laptop, avoiding looking at me. We eventually reached a small fishing boat that had overturned. A couple sunburned, crusty fisherman guys were clinging to the side. Carmela stripped down to her bathing suit and jumped in without hesitation. Sharks. What? Sharks! As Carmela dove under the water to look for the girl, I saw shark fins in the distance, approaching fast. Carmela couldn't hear Brandon beneath the water. I, I put my camera down and jumped into the rippling seawater after Carmela. I opened my eyes underwater to the most terrifying sight I've seen in my life. Twenty lemon sharks, all converging on Carmela as she tried to pull up the girl who she located under the water. Against every instinct in my body, I swam towards them to help. Together, we pulled the girl up and out of the water. Sharks, get out of there! As fast as we could, we dragged along the girl, who was weak and barely conscious from nearly drowning, to the shark bite. We helped her aboard. Carmela got on, and I... Ah, oh, shit! God damn it! I felt a sharp pain in my upper thigh before Carmela pulled me up. As I lay on the deck, Brandon and his crew encircled me, concerned. Frankie. What? That's when I saw the blood flowing on the deck and realized it was mine. I lay in the cabin, as patched up as possible in the circumstances. My painkiller, a bottle of rum given to me by a Jamaican crew member. Right outside the cabin, Carmela and Brandon argued in hushed tones. I'm not the one you should be apologizing to. You don't know the pressure I'm under here. Money, right? Well, for your money, so Belabinov can have another 50 million. If we had listened to you, that girl would have died. Is money more important than that? I couldn't have known what those sharks would do. Plus, it's easy for you to dismiss money when your family has more than some countries. Fuck you. They ran into your electric net, didn't they? I need to review all the data. There have been 10 recorded bites of humans by lemon sharks ever. Your brother just became number 11. Why would they suddenly become aggressive? How should I know? Did it occur to you that your deterrent might make sharks more aggressive? No one likes getting shocked. Sharks or people. Not a chance. No way. I'm coming tonight to get my stuff. We're done. You don't mean that. Try me. I pretended I wasn't eavesdropping as Carmela entered my makeshift hospital room in the cabin and sat beside me. Are you okay? Well, I'm drunk enough not to feel too much, and at least now I'm not bleeding everywhere. You've got a cute butt. Only I would get bitten by a shark in the ass. She held my hand and leaned against me. I got sweaty and looked in horror at the cabin entrance, which Brandon could walk through any second. If you weren't clinging to life here, I'd say we could have some fun. She moved her hand to my thigh. Remember me if I survive. Remember me when you get out of the hospital. I abruptly sat up and pushed her hand away as Brandon approached and entered the cabin. We're getting that ass stitched up pronto, brother. Thanks.
I sat in a hospital bed, 45 stitches and a shark bite pattern freshly applied to my ass, watching local news preach doom and gloom about an incoming hurricane. If you see here, the path of this Category 4 hurricane will hit us in two days. Carmela visited me that night. Visiting hours are over soon. We don't have much time. Thanks for coming. Thanks for jumping in the water. She squeezed into the hospital bed besides me. After a few minutes of cuddling, she slipped her hand under my hospital gown. I, I, I can't. It seems like you can't. I want to, but he's still my brother. I'm going to get all my stuff out of his house. I already told him we're through. We might as well be lying on top of this grave here. I mean, you just ended it. What's the statute of limitations, then? I'm going to have to tell him. Probably better to do it once he's had a little time to process. If you left me, I'd probably jump off Pike Plaza. The drama. She inched up my hospital gown, looking at me with that same playful look she had at the pier. That little grin. I was powerless. She could have asked me to murder the nurse, and I'd have seriously considered it. Technically, she and Brenda were broken up, right? I keep repeating it to myself as she straddled me on the hospital bed. Am I hurting you? Definitely not. Don't get too excited or the nurse will come in. I lay in my hospital bed afterwards, feeling like I'd won the lottery. Carmela had become the center of my universe in a very short period of time. I idly envisioned Brandon fuming at our future wedding on a beach somewhere. But in my vision, he accepted us. Eventually. I wasn't sure that would ever become reality. Who was I kidding? My brother would hate me for the rest of our lives. When I got her text, it was even worse than I could have imagined. Carmela's text said, Brandon Marina Gunn, come now. Then a phone call. Carmela? No one responded, and I quickly realized I was likely on mute. There's no future with him. It's not up to you. Let go of me. I'm not giving you up. You'll thank me later. You're not thinking straight. You're holding a gun, and I'm not thinking straight. I got up, phoned to my ear, and started getting dressed. Why do you think I got this gun? Balabanov is not someone you cannot pay back. This technology... It has to work. Otherwise, someday, you'll hear I died in an accident. You understand? No one forced you to take that man's money. I'll make it work. And we'll get married. And we'll be unstoppable. You really think your parents want Frankie? You know he's homeless, right? He's been to his hotel room. Jesus Christ. By now I was dressed and hurrying out of the hospital. What? Didn't seem homeless to me. Frankie lied to you. The lobby guy let him squat there out of pity. Frankie is broke. He's staring up the poverty line. You never loved me. Of course I did. The only thing you love is my family name. I sprinted as best as I could with my ass dished up. My car wasn't there. I've been taken by ambulance to the hospital after we docked. Did you think my family would bail you out? Once we got married? Invest in your stupid company? That wasn't why I was with you. Just a bonus, then. Money matters. So what now? Are you going to hold me at gunpoint at the altar? Are we going to get married at sea? Brandon must have taken her to the shark bite. It was a couple of miles from the hospital. You just need time to realize you're making a mistake. I didn't know what I'd do when I got there. I just 
knew that I needed to get there as fast as I could. I ran for what seemed like hours. Stop right there. The marina was abandoned on account of the impending hurricane. Brandon stood on the deck of the shark bite, drenched by the pounding rain, holding Carmel in the one hand and a pistol in the other. Just, just let go of her, Brandon. You don't deserve her. I agree with you, but it's not up to me or you. Nothing matters anymore. You're better than this. You are my big brother. Come on. Right. This isn't you, but I know you. You are my fucking hero, all right? That's why I kept my distance, because I thought I embarrassed you. And you were right to be embarrassed by me. You are not this person. You are my brother. Don't do this. Let her go. I... And I felt it before it happened. Brandon let the gun fall to his side and released Carmela, who ran to me. We walked away together. I glanced back at my brother, receding from my vision, consumed by the rain, a lost soul drifting into the night. My car was still at the marina, where I parked it to come on the shark bite for the test run. We turned out to drive off as a black car passed us to drive in. Who the hell would be coming here in this weather? The guy Brandon owes money to. In my rearview mirror, I saw two burly bearded men emerge from the black car. They carried handguns and weren't subtle about it. What are you doing? I have to go back. Call the cops. They could kill you. He's still my brother. Brandon has a lot of things to answer for, but he shouldn't have to answer to them. I approach cautiously. The two Russians were already way ahead of me, nearing the shark bite. Brandon sat on the deck in the rain, feeling sorry for himself, until he saw them and fled into the cabin. The men pursued Brandon. I boarded after them and cautiously approached the cabin. When I entered, no one could hear my footsteps over the wind. The two Russians had Brandon on his knees. One had put his gun in Brandon's mouth and was making Brandon grasp the handle. They were going to make it look like a suicide. I lunged forward, using what I'd learned from junior high football, going low and putting my shoulders into the waist of the guy closest to Brandon, knocking him into the wall. Brandon leapt up and clocked the other guy, but he took it, and they tussled and banged into a cabinet, and then water was everywhere. The force of the wave hurled me into a bulkhead. In a daze, I saw Carmela, like a dream, appear in the water. She grabbed me and tried to pull me out. But I stopped her and gestured to Brandon. Brandon was on the opposite side, wedged under the table, bolted into the boat cabin, which was now above us. I wasn't going to leave without him. Together, we got to him and got him out. We fought the wind and somehow made our way to my car. I drove us to Brandon's house. No one spoke the entire drive. We pulled up, torrential winds buffeting the car, rain flooding the streets. Thanks for coming back for me. I should say the same to you. I'm a lifeguard. Once the hurricane passed, Brandon talked to the cops. 
They apparently fished the two dead Russians, who it turns out were already wanted for murder in both Russia and the US, out of the shark bite. The bad press connecting them to Balabanov made him consider his investment into Brandon a lost cause. The sun rose again. I went to the beach again. An old man contemplates his life as he stares at the sun. A toddler takes unsteady steps on the sand as his parents watch. A drunk sips absently from a beer bottle. No one notices me and my camera on this beach. No one. Except the smiling woman on the lifeguard tower. Fever Dreams, a pulp collection, is a production of Voyage Media. The series is produced by Nat Mandel, Robert Midas, and Dan Benamore, in association with Robert Lamb and Jack Austin of Seven Lamb Productions. This episode, The Lifeguard, was directed by Dan Benamore and executive produced by Francisco Pastrana. Written by Francisco Pastrana and Dan Benamore, based on the screenplay by Francisco Pastrana and Jeffrey Knight. Edited, sound designed, and mixed by Jackson McLennan. Original music by Dorlos Gonzalez. Starring Narita Bronwyn as Carmela, Luca Malacrino as Frankie, Michael Ruska as Brandon, and Francisco Pastrana as Parker. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you're listening, and subscribe now for future episodes. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Hello, hello, I'm Malik. I'm Jamie. And this is World Gone Wrong, where we discuss the unprecedented times we're living through. Can your manager still schedule you for night shifts after that werewolf bit you? My ex-boyfriend was replaced by an alien body snatcher, but I think I like him better now. Who is this dude showing up in everyone's old pictures? My friend says the sewer alligators are reading maps now. When did the kudzu start making that humming sound? We are just your normal millennial roommates processing our feelings about a chaotic world in front of some microphones. World Gone Wrong, a new fiction podcast from Audacious Machine Creative, creators of Unwell, a Midwestern Gothic mystery. Learn more at audaciousmachinecreative.com. Find World Gone Wrong in all the regular places you find podcasts. I love you so much. (laughs) I mean, you could like up the energy a little bit. You could up the energy. I actually don't take notes. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) That was good. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You sounded great. So did you. (laughs)